Hey everybody, it's me. Please hit that subscribe button, the like button, that notification bell, or whatever you can do on whatever podcast platform that you are on. Interact with us. Leave comments. Share it with your friends. Share it with your enemies that you might want to be friends with again. They might hate you more. It doesn't matter. Do it anyway. We would appreciate that. And we do appreciate you. Thank you. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Triple Clowns. Today we are going to bring you what we usually bring you, which is pretty much the news and other things going around. And we also have a fantastic interview with the one and only from announcer from Churchill Downs, Travis Stone, which is a lot of fun. I know we love that word fun here and that's what we keep trying to do. And we like fun because we're hard as fuck. Yeah, which makes sense. And you, know, and you know who else is hard as fuck is Travis Hard A.S. Stone. So yes, because, well, obviously, only, with a last name as Stone, he's got to be hard. Hard. A.F. Yeah. And don't <laughs> read into that, anybody out there, that's going to make some creepy yeah, That's thing. true. Sex um, jokes. Yeah. Just open that yeah, up. Yeah, let's just Boner. right now. Um, but no, we do have Travis Direction. Stone, which is awesome to, uh, I mean, how many times do you get to talk to a track announcer, especially from the legendary Churchill Downs? Uh, what a fantastic job that must be for him. And he talks about that a little bit. Uh, so let's just get it right off the bat by starting with the news with the beautiful Sarah Marie. Take it away, sir. First up, I wanted to talk about Shooter Shoot has scratched from this weekend's Arkansas Derby. Yeah. Which I know was a, a horse that a lot of people were looking forward to. That was one of your horses you were looking forward to running. Sarge and myself yes. are very upset if anybody just listened to that because that was our horse. Yeah. Uh, can I uh, can I make a confession too since we're talking about this right off the bat? Uh, maybe. So we haven't released it yet, but we did a draft, right? Yes. For the Kentucky Derby. Yep. And during the process of us shooting that, do you remember me telling you that Sarge had sent me something about Shooter Shoot? And it was he being scratched. It, it was the article from Thrill Red from Blood Horse saying he scratched. Sarge. There you go. Thanks a lot, um, Sarge. So, you need to send that to me, Sarge, because I picked Shooter Shoot. That's okay, though. He'll be back because I believe it's just a fever. It's just a fever. Which they could be coronavirus. We don't know. Saying, I, I had my insiders at work during yeah. our draft and yeah which you right? didn't even tell me before i said that is you should have I played for keeps how do I, how do i put this uh i play for keeps. that is fucked up and that's it and i didn't even look at the article until did. well after the draft so Sorry. yeah um you did say but that not really draft. it's on tape um and you didn't tell me the the yeah i feel like this is some sort of i think there's a protest already in 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 this because i did pick shooter shoot in the draft when people listen to it but it doesn't matter. He'll come back. He'll be fine. He's got a fever. He's going to kick the coronavirus because I'm sure the country will blame the coronavirus on this fever. Yes. He's quarantined now for 14 days in his barn. And he'll be good afterwards. And I'm not making light of the coronavirus for everybody out there that's going to get mad at me. Um, it's just a joke that he did have a fever. Yeah. We've already, we've already turned heel. It doesn't matter if anybody gets mad at us. I know, right? That is true. Because we are hard as fuck. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, uh, but yeah, no, shoot or shoot out of, out of it. All right, next up, I wanted to talk about New York. Now, we all know New York is the epicenter of the coronavirus here in the, in the United States. But Governor Cuomo came out and said he's very on edge about opening up Saratoga for fans when that is scheduled to open. He said if... if oh, that's a long time from now. It is. It is. Yes, it is. Um, he said his biggest concern is that people are going to be so cabin feverish that the whole social distancing will go out the window. He said if they decide to open up things, including Saratoga, it would be um, a tri-state-wide, which I agree. He doesn't want to open Saratoga and then everyone in Connecticut and New Jersey who are still shut down are all flocking to Saratoga. Which I get. So it would have to be a tri-state-wide thing so that it's not just one, one um, an attraction open. When he says tri-state, and I'm going to ask something really silly because I'm from Connecticut. Is it? It's Jersey, New York, and Connecticut is the tri-state? That's what he's I talking about. I felt like Pennsylvania was part of that. I don't know. I don't know. You know more That'd on the Pennsylvania thing, but yeah. Um, I know Connecticut is. Uh, no, but he's talking Pennsylvania's about Pennsylvania pretty close, Jersey. isn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, Pennsylvania is pretty close. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know it's close to New York. Is it oh. close to Saratoga? I feel like Vermont no. or something is closer to Saratoga. Yeah. Like Jersey's far. Jersey's far. From Saratoga. So I don't know why we're talking about Jersey people going there. They have Monmouth at that time. They go to Monmouth. Um, yeah. So I don't know. But it would be based on, it would, ha it would have, only happen if they did a Connecticut, New Jersey, New York opening. Well, that's statewide part of their coalition, of isn't it? That whole statewide coalition that people are grouping up with when they open, the other ones open. Because I know that because my parents are complaining about Delaware being part of Connecticut, Jersey, and New York. And they're like, whoa, 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 we're not as bad as them with yeah. the coronavirus. It's uh, true. Yeah. So Massachusetts is closer to Saratoga yeah. than Connecticut. Probably, yeah, Western Massachusetts. Yeah. Say, yeah, New Hampshire and Massachusetts are a lot yeah, closer than I'm any saying. other yeah. state. Well, they're always going to do Connecticut because it's like borders New York City. So they're going to say that one. But yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, that, yeah. So I worry. I guarantee if you take the IDs of everybody that goes to Saratoga, it's more New England people Probably. and New York than anybody. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know why we're talking about this at this time. But geographically, everybody out there, maybe we're just smarter than Cuomo. Maybe. He doesn't realize that. But yeah, Massachusetts is doing pretty bad right now, too. You don't want them out there. <laughs> going. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Western Massachusetts is like right on top of it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Geography lesson for everyone out there today. Yeah. 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 I'm the one from New England, and I'm like, who is the tri state anyway? Uh, well, it's a valid question when you look at where Saratoga is. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, what else? What I always studies? thought it was a tri-state, but I'm yeah. like, yeah, New Jersey? Really, Como? Like, you worried about the Jersey people? They're going to Monmouth at that time. Yeah. And if we have any Jersey fans out there, they'll probably say that. They're like, "That's Monmouth opens up at that time, and they're running on the beach there, pretty much. So, that's their Saratoga. It is, yeah. So, Saratoga, so. so, he's worried about that, and that's that long from now. Yeah, well, because it's it's coming question. You know, there are obviously a lot of things are coming in question. The whole future. But Saratoga is not even near New York City. It's like another state. I know. They might as but, well be like Canada. Yeah, but but I agree with this point of you know people from all over go to Saratoga to watch the races, and if they can go to Saratoga and watch the races live after being 
quarantined for so long. Yeah. Well, that was going to be social my, distancing that was thing is out my, the window because, oh my gosh, I can be outside and go do something. That was going to be my answer to, to him. And my answer was just going to be, well, duh. Yeah. If you open up Saratoga, they picnic there anyway. Yeah, you're right. They're going to have cabin fever. He's absolutely right. Thanks for stating the obvious. Yeah. Como, maybe he has to. I get it. No one's going to get social distancing. I think they will, though. I don't think the Saratoga crowd is the college kid spring break crowd, where I do think they'll, well, they're not going to be great at it, but they're going to be better but, um, than the idiots that are going to be I'm going to bring this other. up. Yeah. So yes, yesterday, which was Tuesday, um, they had the Blue Angels fly over New York City. And I've seen plenty of videos now of people not social distancing in New York City flocking outside to watch the planes fly over the city yeah good idea let's have something that everybody's gonna walk outside to and hang out with each other yeah um well they um, probably just thought well they'll just look through their windows and then their windows are facing the opposite direction yeah yeah i feel like that even when they go out and i think that's cool that they all go outside and clap for the people that are like helping they do it from the windows yeah i know but like yeah. you you lived in new york with me you go out on a balcony or a fire escape you are on top of your neighbor you hang out the window yeah. and you're not social distancing from your it's neighbor. almost impossible to social distance in new york because it's just it's just a billion people right <laughs> on top right. lobbed on top of each other on top like they're literally on top they built a city that went up you could be in in your apartment by yourself and not be six feet away from somebody because right above your ceiling there's like four people. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. With probably holes in your ceiling, so they're yeah. probably actually sneezing on them. Um, yes, uh, which is yeah, whole defeating the purpose of the whole thing. Yeah, New York, that it's gonna be a while for them. Yeah. I mean, when's the subway open up? How social distancing on a subway? It's never happened. Yeah, good luck at that, and it never <laughs> right. will. It never will. Four people to a car. Yeah, which why even run it at that yeah. point? Um, but yeah, exactly. Are you gonna so. make taxis free at this point? Because yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how they can ever. Good luck do. on this social distancing with public transportation being your number one way to get around a city. Yeah, it's like when people say social distancing is cool in California, like we're doing well. Well, of course, look around California and look around New York. Yeah, <laughs> a lot <laughs> easier. Walk to the store and not go near anyone here. I can't. I couldn't do that in Queens. I couldn't. Just saying, like, there's a pretty good well, chance. Well, we could go I'm... to other parts of LA and be okay. But if I'm on, if I'm in New York and say I'm on the Upper West Side and I want to get down to the Village, I'm taking the subway. Me and everybody else in New York is on the same path. Well, yeah, you're not walking, and you definitely have enough money. No Heck one no, does. To take a, you take a cab from there, you better be rich. Yeah. Um, which is a whole different story. There goes your bar tab because you decide to take a cab. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's our social distancing story. Yeah. yeah. And I just thought that was interesting. Um, next up, I wanted to talk about the virtual Kentucky Derby, as the odds did come out this morning. Um, and, of course, as expected, Secretariat is the favorite right now. Favorite at 7-2, to two, though. Yeah. And we mentioned this in our interview, and I already know this happened. And you'll listen what Travis has to say about that. But I, I would say it without hearing him say it, that Secretary at 7-2, to two, if we could actually bet this race, are you kidding me? If you could get Secretary at 7-2. to two, Yeah. Ever. But you should bring up that you can't, that you can't bet this race. You can it's illegal. Of course. And you can make a donation 
for the COVID-19 relief fund that they're now, How does that work? And if, you, if your horse wins, then you are entered into the sweepstakes for the Kentucky Derby VIP experience. So there's going to be like a billion people with Secretariat that you're going to be in the same. How much do I have to donate? It can be like $2. Uh, yeah, but I don't know if there's a limit. Like, I would donate more. I only have $2, everybody. It's just, yeah. You know, yeah. Don't think I'm That's, cheap. It's just all I have. Actually, if you donated all the money you had, you're not cheap. And mine is $2. So. Well, here's the thing about that, too, is because you can, you, starting tomorrow, you can pick your horse. But the way they're doing it doesn't make Secretariat even remotely the favorite that he sh probably should be. Yeah. Because they're giving, because I was just, I read this after, of course, we talked to Travis, and he said, and uh, they say each of the Triple Crown horses is assigned a probability, and then they're doing a weighted NBA draft lottery style system. So as in, I'm, huh. as in, so it's basically like you're getting chances, like per oh, what your odds are, and then yeah. they're picking like like the lot like the NBA lottery does it. So if we all go in that. I can't pick secretary if Sarah picks secretary. Is that what you mean? No, 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 no. So you can. I'm saying the way they're determining how the rate, the outcome of the race will be. Oh, they're just doing ping pong balls and he's got the most chances. Oh, that's just sort dumb. of. Okay. That's just dumb. Hmm. That just made this thing way dumb. I'm not sure if there's restrictions that like the NBA was where the number one can't get uh, worse than the fourth pick. Yeah. Uh, that's how they're doing this oh so those are the higher probability are not necessarily going to win but they'll have more chances to win so it's much like the weighted lottery system yeah well I they guess wanted they said they wanted to make it like every other race where you know the favorite always doesn't win no but when you're going against like the best in the world they probably yeah. do win yeah um but yeah, but i also don't know how many chances they're giving each each horse because they they've broken everything down with with you know who the jockey's going to be well it's almost are, mathematically yada, 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 yada. Yada. i mean and that's, and that's how they're determining how many chances each yeah. horse is going to get into the things i don't know if secretary's going to have like 16 billion and then whoever who's second like yeah uh, well, well you know. it's 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 i mean even if they do that it's still an algorithm so even if they did it by a computer that this horse would win 93 out of 100 times, which is kind of their algorithm with the yeah. lottery, it's kind of the same thing if you do it on a computer. So if it's one of those seven times that gets pulled up on the computer, which I don't, you know, I, I don't know. It's silly. We're going to break that race down um, without that included in a minute. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's just that's weird. That's uh, that's interesting though that you brought that up. I didn't I didn't read that. So I, I'm taking American Pharaoh in that contest all day, and I'll see you all from Churchill. Really? Oh, that's yeah. American Pharaoh. Everyone else is going to take second. I'm talking about winning the sweepstakes, as far as good yeah. that goes. Well, I pick Secretariat, and they win. I'm going to be one of 18 billion people who pick Secretariat. If American Pharaoh wins, I'm going to be one of like probably 20. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I would preach to everybody like bet the long shot. I would I would go with Gallant Fox, honestly, because I actually think but, – but you're right. If it's a thing where he's 20 to 1, where he's not going to have that many – in a real race, we'll talk about this a little bit. I think Gallant Fox is really dominant as a three-year-old in 1930. So I don't know. Like I wasn't – believe it or not, I was born in 35. So, um, oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, um, a real race that would be my long shot, but we'll talk about it if it was an actual real race because I think it's interesting. Uh, but yeah, no, American Fire would have no shot, mark my words, against these horses. No shot, nope.
We'll see you on Saturday. The millennial horses would not even come close. I would say the 70s horses, the slew and secretariat would be monsters. And your horse, Sarah, is in there, War Admiral. I want to go over, I want to just let all, everybody know who the lineup and their odds. So one, we have affirmed five to one. Two, we have assault with 20 to one. Three, secretariat, seven to two. Four, Sir Barton, 20 to one. Five, Seattle Slough, five to one. Six, American Pharaoh, six to one. Seven, Gallant Fox at 20 to one. Eight, Citation at four to one. Nine, War Admiral at eight to one. 10, Whirl Away with six to one. 11, Count Fleet with six to one. 12, Justify at 15 to one. And 13, Omaha at 20 to one. Now the big question is, does anybody care about this race? Like as much, the more I talk about it, especially since you said the old ping pong ball thing, which like I said, it's the same thing as an algorithm. Is anybody really going to take this for, I mean, is it even going to be something? It's weird that they're running it on the same day as the, the, the Arkansas Derby, even though I know it's the Kentucky Derby day. Is it NBC's way of trying yeah. to get people to watch? And Which, if that's the case, and they want the younger generation, I would bet it could be fixed towards Pharaoh or Justify. Or Justify, yeah. Um, because, like, my generation's better. They like that. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, but I'm, I'm just wondering if anybody cares. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think they're trying to do a cool thing for a good cause and help raise money. Are they going to show the computer like... I think so, because more so than anything, I think NBC is trying to fill in not having the Derby and then just hype up the Derby in September. Well, aren't they... Is it NBC covering... NBC Sports has got to be covering the Arkansas. They're going to be covering the Arkansas, yeah. Oh, are they doing that? Are Are they doing both? Well, TVG and them worked out a contract. Yeah, TVG, yeah. Or is that ever, with Fox? Ever since, no, I think it was NBC. No, it was NBC Sports. Yeah. So, ever, ever since the tracks got closed down, TVG partnered with NBC to do their trackside live. So they're. I'm going with the Arkansas Derby's on NBC. This no. Week. It's not? It's, nope. It's from three to six on NBC. They're going to have my first Saturday in May, American Pharaoh's oh. run to the Triple Crown. And then following that, the Kentucky Derby Triple Crown Showdown, which is what oh. they will air you know NBC what? Saturday at 545 I, Eastern. I, I'm guessing the Arkansas Derby already has a contract with somebody. Yeah, you could. Probably. Because why wouldn't they just go to NBC at that point? Because they need something to fill it in. But I'm not changing the channel. If I got money on the Arkansas Derby to see who wins. Okay. Okay, so okay, all right. So uh, that's on NBC, not NBC Sports. And then at six on NBC Sports Network, the Arkansas Derby's running. Yeah. Okay. The first, the first yeah. division. Yeah. But uh, not on NBC, like how. Yeah, yeah, right. no. I'm just surprised they just didn't just grab that from NBC Sports. I mean, it's the same company. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all commercials and shit like that. I'm sure they have to fill and way above my pay grade. So. All right. We do know that Travis isn't announcing it, which we find up soon, which I thought he might be, which would have been cool. Um, but instead, spoiler alert, we are. Yes, yes. And we're going to release that before the race, actually. We're actually going to do the call. Triple Clowns is calling the virtual Kentucky Derby. They don't know this yet, NBC, but they'll find it. It's happening, out. yeah. Yeah. Spoiler um, alert, NBC. Uh, anything else in the news? Nope, that's it for the news. All right.
All right, AJ. Uh, it's just me right now. Sarah Marie is uh, hiding probably from us right now, and it's nothing personal to this next guest who we have, who is, we are very happy to have the one and only track announcer from Churchill Downs. I think you guys have heard of that track before, Churchill Downs, I'm pretty sure. And if you have, you've heard this guy's voice, and it's Travis Stone. Travis, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. How's everybody doing? Great, great. We are good. If AJ could figure out the Eastern time zone compared to Central time zone, we'd be doing way better. I don't know that, if you expect that. Yeah. That's what you get for having me book the show. I know. Every time. Travis, by the way, every time. Every time. It's like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. I'm on Pacific. He's on Central. And everybody goes by Eastern. I understand that because I'm from the East Coast. But anyway. Look, I didn't ask here. for this job, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you lost, he lost the bet. But, but, but anyway, <laughs> Travis, so, so glad. Thank you for coming on our show. Uh, we've had a lot of fun shows recently, but you're the first track announcer on our show, which I think is amazing because I think your world is something that most people don't know about, about because you sit in that little box up top and how many people really know what you actually do besides call the races. And with that, that being said, let's start on a Trust, you're a young guy. You're, you're like mid-30s, correct? I appreciate your saying that's young. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I turned 36 <laughs> earlier this year, and it was actually uh, – it was funny. I was talking to a friend of mine who's uh, quite a bit younger than me, seven or eight years younger than me, and uh, I told him, I said, when you get to your mid-30s, you really start to think about things a little bit more. So uh, 36 was a weird, uh, weird transition for some reason. But yeah, no, I appreciate your calling it young. It, well, it's actually funny that you say that. I'm 43. And I, uh, I feel like that's actually the age when you said that. 36 was about the time. I, now, I didn't do it when you start taking life seriously. I didn't. But I feel like most people do at that point. And um, it is weird because 36 is a number of you're like, oh, wow. I'm like, you start remembering like your dad or other people at that age. And you're like, yep. oh, I'm that guy now. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you, uh, I, think, I think Lafitte and I, uh, and we talked about it. Are you the guy now? Because I am, and so is Lafitte. Uh, are you the get off my lawn guy now? Because that happens. Yeah, <laughs> I actually might have always been the get off my lawn guy. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's necessarily sort of a latent development in my, uh, in my personality. But, uh, yeah, you do you this, but you only get the more set in your ways you get. No choice about it. Absolutely. And, and you, do an, you do a very, uh, I would say, uh, would be a good way to put it, sophisticated job uh, for your age. You know, usually, I mean, if you went to a track announcer meeting, if they had one, I don't know if you guys do. Uh, but uh, it, you're definitely the youngest guy out there, aren't you? Uh, not anymore. I mean, there's a couple of that have uh, come around since. Oh. Peter Ella at Gulfstream is younger than me. Uh, Matt Dinner oh, is younger it? than me. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was the youngest for a while. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I was very fortunate. I, I did work hard. I, I studied race calling throughout my entire childhood and now my life. And so um, it's fun to, to be able to experience it at a high level at a place like Churchill. So, um, you know, life's, life's treated me very well. I have no complaints and very fortunate. And you've been at Churchill for six years? 
Uh, I've done five derby this, well, my derby this year would be six. So, uh, whenever that may be. So yeah, um, this would be my sixth year here. Yeah. Hard to believe. Wow. That, that, that would be six years, Travis, I believe. I'm not great at math, but six derbies, I think he was six yes, years. This, so. this would have been, if, if the derby were this week, it would have been number <laughs> six. Yeah, no, um, which is, which is, which is, you know, that says a lot. And when you say this, and I know everybody out there probably is wondering, because I am. When you say studying uh, race announcing, what, what does that entail? Because I feel like, yeah, what is that? Like, can you take a, do you take a class on that? Is that something you train for? Um, uh, is there I, anything? No, um, they didn't offer that major at my, at my college. No, <laughs> I mean, I, in, in college, I, uh, I studied communication arts in college, which was not what it sounds like. It was more about discussion and sort of debate and, and things of that nature. I did go to auctioneer school for a week in Missouri when I was younger. But when I say study off, uh, race calling, it's more about listening to callers, understanding mm -hmm. what they're doing, and then practicing it on my own to develop my own sort of style approach and um, ability at the craft. So when I was a kid, and this is no exaggeration, I mean, I called races all the time i loved racing and i would just pretend to call races and would race almost anything that i could race whether it be marbles or uh, computer games started to come around a couple of horse racing games here or there uh, i'd call races off the tv we'd go to saratoga and i'd sit next to my dad in the grandstand with my binoculars and i'd call races in the grandstand um you know saratoga is busy so that was hard but i tried and just continued to call races and develop a style and that's sort of uh where it came from um just a true organic process for me starting literally as a kid racing little matchbox cars to where we are today well it's funny you say that you've raced marbles because people are actually betting on marble races right now during this quarantine i was ahead of my time i probably should have figured out how to uh create a fair <laughs> mutual market and uh take wagers on those um, i mean i had a very it's funny i mean i was young but for even that age, I had a very sophisticated racing association. I had every marble named and memorized it. There it was a bag of marbles my grandfather had given me. And so I named them after racehorses that I knew and had them all memorized. I had like 100 marbles memorized, what, what, they, what their quote name was. And I would race them. And I used to move the track around the house. So like there'd be one track uh, near the washing machine, another track uh, on the other side of the basement, one track on the porch. Um, it was, uh, <laughs> I, I, I laugh now. My dad has a picture. I used to have these entry sheets where I'd keep track of everything. Like I would write down who's in what race and I'd, I'd keep track of it. My dad has a picture of me laying on the ground with my entry sheets spalled out all over the place, uh, figuring out the next day's races. Um, I was, wow. I was way into that when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Awesome. So, so I guess my next question is when did your parents put you in counseling? And, uh, <laughs> um, yo, funny story though, Travis, true, true, true story though, with, with myself, and this is actually true, but obviously I, I grew up to be somebody who sounds like they smoked four packs of cigarettes and can't bite my tongue enough to probably do a two minute race. Um, but I actually, one of my first things I said, and my mother and father will attest to this is I was racing around my Cheerios or something when I was like a really little kid. And one of the first words I said was, and they're off. And I started announcing my Cheerios. Um, and that's totally my father's influence by making me sit 
and watch horse racing before <laughs> I could talk. Um, so I was well on my way until they realized they just took a listen of my voice and also uh, just, the, yeah, the non biting of the tongue that it wasn't my career path but i was on my way as well i would have raced marbles but i lost my marbles a long time ago basically <laughs> so that's funny um so yeah you got into it though were you at another track before uh churchill or was yeah it churchill? I started at... it's like going right to the major leagues no, I, I, I worked my way up a little bit. I started at Louisiana Downs in Bossier City, Louisiana in 2006 and was there until 2013. Called races at Monmouth Park in 2014. Started at Aqueduct as well around that time in the winter. And then that winter, I also got offered the job at Churchill. So I literally went from moving across country from Louisiana in the spring of 14 to getting the job at Churchill Downs that, that December. Uh, so it all happened in a hurry for me. And then uh, I've been here, like we said before, it's my sixth year coming up. And I mean, I used to call races at Aqueduct in the winter, but I got, I really got burned out from moving around. Um, I'm a bit of a homebody in many ways and I like routines. And I just, when that kept getting disrupted, I, I got a little bit of anxiety over it and was like, all right, I just need to stick to Churchill and Churchill only. So this is where I call now. This is home for me. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Churchill Downs. It's pretty good. Not bad. I, I know, yeah. yeah. It's not like you're settling somewhere else and I won't name a park because somebody would get mad. Yeah. You were not Suffolk Downs calling races right now and saying you're calling at home. Um, we'll just put that. I can say that because I don't think they're open. So I can say that. Uh, but being a new, you're a New Yorker, I see. Um, originally, correct? You're, you're in New yeah, York, right? Yeah, yeah upstate um, New York, just north of Saratoga. Yep. Yeah, I actually think you might be, that city might be the same city my mother was born in, actually. Um, you know, you're up by, yeah, like Cooperstown and everything up that way, right? Kind of? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Upstate. Yeah. 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 Um, no, that's fantastic. Is there, and I'm asking this as an actor and I'm sure AJ as a wrestler and actor, um, is there an audition process that you go through? And I think I'm curious to know about that. Like, is there, like, do you send in a, a tape like somebody else would like a reel? How does that work? Um, when you first get started, yeah. I mean, I had to send a video to Louisiana Downs um, of, of some sample race calls, but Really and ultimately, it's uh, when you get to a, a place like Monmouth or Churchill or Naira, everybody knows who you are. So when you apply for that particular gig, you, they know who they are sort of thinking about and, and have listened to all these guys. So um, I did not, for example, send in a formal application slash demo reel to Churchill when I got this job. Um, at that level, they sort of, it's much like you could argue that, you know, if any of the major sporting broadcasters out there were thinking of switching networks, you know, Al Michaels wouldn't have to, and I'm trying to compare myself to Al Michaels, but Al Michaels would not have to send a demo reel to CBS or NBC. Yeah, right? well, you have a demo reel. Yeah, you have a, you have a major demo reel at that point. Um, yeah, I know. I was wondering, like, right when you get in, if, if you have to do that, because it seems like... How can I'm guessing it's super competitive though? Got to be a. Ton it is. Of no, I mean it is, and like yeah, I mean you just have to you have to hustle. You know, I I wrote articles for newspapers in the summer during college in in the horse racing space, 
auctioneer school to sort of expand the scope a little bit, called a lot of races, made a lot of contacts, reached out to a lot of people and just, you know, it's, it's, it's the hustle. It's like anything. And uh, you're, you're ho always hoping for that lucky break here, there. And, and eventually the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And so uh, that's sort of how it pans out. But yeah, no, from, from, from day one, you're, it's, you're on the hustle and then you're afforded a little bit more relaxation as you go a little older and, and people get to know you a bit, a bit more. You, you were compared in our last episode, and I think you're going to be very complimented by this, and maybe you've heard it before, but you were compared to uh, Dave Johnson. To, to Dave Johnson, you said? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard that. I've gotten uh, compared to folks like Tom Durkin and Dave Johnson in the past. Um, and it, to be honest, it was a point of concern for me early because I was worried that um, I wasn't developing my own style enough. Um, and I actually remember emailing Tom Durkin about it once. And he said, do not worry about that because eventually you will start to uh, start to sound yourself. And I remember I participated in an all-star announcers day once and where a bunch of us race callers got together and each called a race. And after I called the race, one of the guys said, oh, he sounds like Tom. Another guy said, oh, he sounds like Dave. And somebody else said, oh, he sounds like uh, whoever it was. And then uh, Larry Comas actually goes, nice, he sounds like Travis. So yeah, I, so I, I, I was about to say that. Yeah, I was like, no, guys, I sound like me. Which I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's how you call. I think it's just a compliment of, of, of how you call, not how you sound, I should say. I, I, well, I, I appreciate think, that. Yeah. Yeah. And I get, and I, and I understand that. I'm sure AJ does as well. And what he does and did um, still where, you know, when you're compared to people at first, you know, I was a kid who used to, when I acted, they would say, who's the kid that sounds like Norm MacDonald. And, and uh, you know, looks like Jerry O'Connell sounds like Norm MacDonald. And I used to get mad about it, but I'm like, cause I'm me obviously, but there's certain things are like, you know, when you're compared to great people, maybe it's just how you are. Um, not that those people are that great, but um, with what you're doing, I think it's just, they love, those are two of the top announcers. If not, those are probably one, two, obviously all time, really. So. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and then you could round uh, out that trifecta with, uh, with Trevor, but no, you're hundred percent right. Yeah. Yes, that was uh, they yes. were the cream. Yeah. And then nope. unless you start speaking with an accent, you're not going to be Trevor, obviously. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um, no, I, I think you should be complimented, but I understand what you're saying. And so, how is it? How is the the vibe in in Kentucky now? Uh, Churchill, obviously, you are are sitting on your hands waiting. How is the vibe there? Uh, I'm near Santa Anita, and we've been talking to a lot of people about that. And I, you probably know what we're going through there with the meetings and everything. Um, obviously you have a job, this is your livelihood with it. How, how are you feeling right now with everything going on at Churchill? Or more importantly, I mean, is there any inside information you can give us right now about <laughs> when they're opening so we can break that right here? <laughs> I do not have uh, any inside info. I do know that they're working hard to, to make it work, but uh, no, no inside info. I mean, you know, um, I think the, the vibe is interesting in that this has been a wild and weird time for everyone for the past four to six weeks. And 
And while the Derby is typically run on this upcoming Saturday and the entire year sort of centers around that. And, and I was saying to somebody the other day, like your entire spring is like, oh no, we got four weeks until Derby or there's three weeks until Derby. All right. No, I can't join you that day because it's eight days from Derby and I'm going to be too busy. Um, and obviously that just went completely out the window when the event was rescheduled. So it's been a little bit bizarre at the same time. I think the severity of the situation for everyone has also brushed aside that the usual feelings of that buildup. And in many ways, it uh, this feels just like last week, which felt like the week before, which felt like the week before that, you know, almost a groundhog day. Um, it's just, it's all the same thing over and over again. I think the, I mean, I think on Saturday, which would have been Derby day, especially because it's supposed to be absolutely gorgeous here, of course. Um, yeah. That, finally, uh, it, finally. It'll, it, yeah, yeah, it'll feel it'll feel a little bit weird at that point. But um, I don't know. I'm an, I'm sort of embracing it to be honest with you, and I'm looking forward to what will be a very unique derby and probably a one-off situation. Um, you know, next year I anticipate everything sort of back to normal in many ways, and we can go back onto the regular derby trail. So you know, if you're going to tell me in, in my lifetime that there's going to be one year that's goofy, um, um, I'd sign up for that. Because uh, that means the rest are probably pretty okay. So, yeah, that's good. Um, when it comes to uh, race calling for you, is there any? Um, and I know a couple. I'll say I don't know if AJ knows any in particular, but there's there any race calls that you could think of that are like memorable race calls of all time. Uh, yeah, there are, um, there's a few that I think from a technical perspective and from an enormity of the situation perspective, I think we're just absolutely spectacular. Um, and, and Tom Durkin, I think, I would argue probably owns the top 10 greatest race calls of all time, but, uh, the Smarty Jones Belmont stakes, um, where Smarty Jones looked like a winner for 95% of the race and then lost. And I mean, that was just a devastating moment. And, and Tom was absolutely sensational delivering that moment. Enters the stretch to the roar of 120,000. But Birdstone is going to make him earn it today. The whip is out on Smarty Jones. It's been 26 years. It's just one furlong away. Birdstone is an absurd threat. They're coming down to the finish. Can Smarty Jones hold on? Here comes Birdstone. Birdstone surges past Birdstone wins the Belmont Stakes. Um, the 2001 Breeders' Cup Classic when Tiz now ran down Saki uh, two months after September 11th in New York City. Uh, to the date, probably the most exciting race I've seen in person. Just absolutely awesome. Tiz now is battling on the American Horse of the Year. would be up there and then uh the ali sheba ferdinand breeders cup classic was mm. just an amazing race and uh a, a race call that um doesn't get as much fanfare but it's certainly up there ferdinand has the lead ali sheba a final surge the two derby winners hit the wire together ferdinand and ali sheba in a dramatic photo finish in the world's richest horse race so those would be my, my top three. But I, 
I think the Tisnow Breeders' Cup Classic and the Smarty Jones Belmont are two of the most technically sound and perfectly delivered race calls given the moment that uh, we've ever heard. Yeah, no, those those were great. Um, and it's, it is weird. And we talked about this a little bit with, well, I don't know if AJ told you, Sarge was on our show last time. And you, I'm sure you know Sarge or of Sarge. Uh, he knows you. Mm-hmm. And, and we were talking about um, how a lot of announcers are judged on the call of the photo. And it really comes down to that with your casual fan which I think is funny. And he was saying, you know, some of these booths aren't exactly on the wire, which is hard for you to call. Uh, do you feel like that's something that people do judge you on is the call of the photo? And how do you handle the call of the photo? Um, yeah, I mean, I've heard that before. I mean, if they do judge us on that, that's probably one of those criticisms or feedbacks that I ignore a little bit. Uh, because none of no basically no booth is perfectly positioned um for example at churchill my booth is it's not a ton but it's a handful of feet ahead of the finish and that the building and the track are not exactly parallel so it's all sorts of funky angles going on there um the actual pole itself like the the famous finish line pole at churchill is not exactly where the finish line is it's actually a little bit off center from it the mirror is the true finish line so your mind can play games with you from all of those various angles plus where the pole is you know heads are going up and down so when it comes to photos i am uh, i i don't call very many of them i actually i i prefer to deliver a line that captures the drama of the photo more so than being a hero and calling the photo because all it takes is one bad photo call and that's what you're remembered for and you don't want to call it wrong so why why risk it i mean i don't think anybody anticipates an announcer being a godlike figure that can just stop time and you know run down to the track and truly get an idea of whose nose is in front so um to me it's it's about more about telling the story and i think you know, saying something like uh, photo or, you know, photo finish in a real dramatic way or too tight to tell or too close to call. I think those do just as much, yeah, just as much for the, not of the excitement of the finish as being a hero and calling out. I mean, you call out the wrong name and people think they've won and then they've lost. I mean, that's ridiculous. So yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty conservative when it comes to photo calls. Speaking of that, have you ever, like just screwed up a call, called the wrong horse coming down the stretch or something. I know like almost every announcer I think has done that, which is acceptable, but gotta be like, that's like the worst thing, obviously, like you said. Have you ever screwed up a call like bad? Uh, Knock on wood at Churchill, I've avoided most egregious mistakes. Um, When I was younger at Louisiana Downs, there were two horses in a race wearing blue, or not blue, red and white. And uh, when they came off the turn, I did mix them up. And, of course, one of them rolled. I, I caught it before the wire, but that doesn't mean I didn't say his name wrong. The funny thing about announcing is, um, and any announcer will tell you this, we all make, I don't want to say several, but we all make mistakes throughout the day. Um, but because we're just so in the groove of the race call, and a lot of times people aren't literally, like, reviewing our calls word by word, we sort of get away with it. Um, you know, whether it be mixing up a couple of horses in a position or, um, you know, maybe a a wrong number here or there, um, as a race caller and any other 
of, of my colleagues, we always notice when each other does it because that's what we do. But um, there's always a, you know, a couple of mistakes here and there that sort of slip under the radar. Um, but you know, the egregious, like wrong name in a big moment, uh, yeah, knock on wood, it hasn't happened. Hopefully it never does. And, uh, that'd be a nightmare. So, yeah. Well, and I say that because one of the most memorable calls for me is obviously, well, not obviously, but it's a derby call, which would make sense is when, um, they missed mine that bird coming up the rail. Pioneer of the Nile strikes the front just outside the eighth hole. Musket man is coming hard down the center of the track. And Papa comes right there, too. Down toward the inside, coming on through. That is uh, my that bird now is coming on to take the lead as they come down to the finish. And a spectacular, spectacular upset. My that bird has won the Kentucky Derby. An impossible result here. You remember yeah. that? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Tom will tell you, I mean, he, he, yeah, he missed it and he, and he knows it. Um, but I, I always like to go on the defensive form a, because I'm going to defend yeah. <laughs> what we do, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. one thing people sort of don't realize about calling races at Churchill Downs and, and, and I'm talking about day in and day out, much less the Kentucky Derby. Right. So the track, when they turn for home, they're basically running directly at you. And yep the binoculars that we use are high powered, high zoom. So you only see so much of the track. Um, when you move your binoculars toward the outside, you miss what's happening on the inside and vice versa. So it did not surprise me. And if you follow his call, you can see how his eyes are moving inside out and he moves outside to pioneer the Nile. And then at the same time, this improbable long shot slips up the rail on him. <laughs> You pull the binoculars down and, and you just know it. You know that you missed something. Um, I, I sort of use that call to remind myself at times it's, it's okay to pull the binoculars down for a half a second at mid-stretch just to make sure there's not somebody way outside or way inside or that I've, I've got the whole picture of what's happening um, because that, that is an announcer's nightmare. And, and I, always, I always finish when, when somebody asks, I've been asked about that call before and I always tell this story I was at uh, Sam Houston in Houston Texas watching the race with my best friend Nick Tamro and his dad and we were at this the room was packed with people and we all had these bets down and they turned for home and it's quiet because every, obviously everybody's about to lose um, and this horse takes the lead and and somebody goes who is that and my friend goes oh no it's mine that bird <laughs> which I thought was like that's just summed up <laughs> how improbable that outcome was and uh you know I, I i feel bad for tom but i don't think i would have been looking for my net bird either <laughs> i i watched when you watched i don't know if you ever saw the movie about my net bird and that's when i was reminded of it actually because it, it makes this play of a guy like like in the booth with him going horse on the rail horse on the rail and i'm like i feel like that wasn't real <laughs> but it's really oh, funny. I got it. 100%. That, yeah. There is no way that someone was standing next to them. No. Put it this way. I don't know of any announcer that's going to be okay with anybody standing next to them during the derby yelling at or them. knocking the, the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of that, though, I do, I do want people to know, because this is something that I don't think anyone knows, and the only reason I even know it, that's not a track announcer, the only reason I even know it is because I, I, I got the pleasure of going in the booth with Frank um and at Santa Anita once and 
your process is, and AJ, I don't think you know this process, but you're going to get a kick out of it. I know his, and I think you guys all do it. And when I say that, like from crayons, and you use crayons, don't you? I use markers. Yeah. yeah. Right, markers. He uses yeah. crayons. Yeah. And, and how you do your process of when you see a race, because I don't think people appreciate in a sense of what you're doing um, with, you're calling a race with binoculars and you know all these horses' names that could be maidens, they could be, it's not like the Kentucky Derby, I feel like, yeah, you study for. You don't study for the third race mating claiming special that just happened, that's just about to happen. Um, your process with the colors and everything how how do you go through your process when you see a race if you could quickly guide us through a process for everybody out there that doesn't know which is pretty much everybody yeah so i mean take the derby out of the equation because you're right that's a different animal but a day in and day out race um when they come on the track at about 10 minutes to post and they go to the post parade i have a big tub of markers on my stand and i color the silks the jockey is wearing onto my program and use that to memorize the name of the horse uh, for the race call. And so at the beginning of the day, um, 12 horse field, I can memorize 12 horses, eh, two and a half, maybe three minutes. Um, as the day wears on and your mind gets a little bit more tired and you just, you know, you physically are tired, uh, it takes a little bit longer. Um, and then just the goal is to be able to call the race through the binoculars without ever having to peak. Now, we are human, so you do have to peek at times. So I also have a device that was made from a dry cleaning uh, coat hanger that goes around my neck and holds a poster board sort of right at my chest. And I put the program on that and clip it there so that during the race call, if you know they're going around the far turn and there's a, maybe a glimpse of some blue silks, can't really see them all, but you, you see the blue and you're like, who is that? I can quickly peek down without having to take too much time away from the action to look at the program and say, oh, blue silks. Oh, you know, that's such and such. Um, so, yeah, it's all about memorizing the, uh, the silks when they come on the track and getting them into memory as, as fast as you possibly can. Um, some days it's easier than others, but uh, it's a big part of it. If you can always, I, I don't want to say you as in everybody, but I can always tell when I'm listening to announcer that has not memorized the silks. And it's just a weaker call. There's no two ways about it. It's a weaker call. Um, you miss things. You don't capture the excitement and the drama quite as well. You don't tell as good of a story because you're too busy trying to figure out who everybody is by looking down and looking up and looking down and looking up, right? So um, yeah, that's the whole, the whole gist of it. And I use markers, Frank uses crayons. Um, some other guys use iPads and, and color the silks on their iPad, you know, like uh, iPad pencil type thing. Um, I like, the uh, the marker component and uh, uh, that's my routine. It is funny because if you want to take a look at that on the Kentucky Derby's YouTube, there are a couple behind the scenes in the booth with you calls of the Kentucky Derby. With an early move, right up and on the leaders, heels toward the inside as they move for the far turn. Bodie Express trying to keep pace with them. Improbable is picking through the pack, making a bold run up to be fifth. Country House is there too. Code of Honor saving ground down inside. Cutting humor is going wide. Tacitus takes off. Here's Tacitus winding up from the back of the pack with five lengths to make up and game winners coming wide too. And in front of you, you can see all the markers. It looks like he's about ready to break out a coloring book. Yeah it, look, yeah, it looks like a third grade art class. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. When, uh, uh, when Target, Target started selling 
like this pack of 64 markers, which was, I mean, that was my crack cocaine because they had every possible color that they produced in that box. Uh, as opposed to like, you know, remember the classic, you know, eight colors that come in one. Now I have, I have like 64 different options. So there's very rarely a silk color that I don't have a color for. And uh, that makes me happy. Well, I do think that's interesting too, because I think most people think you just look at the numbers and know the names from the numbers. It's all about the silks, which is, yeah, I guess, you, you don't see, uh, right. You don't see saddlecloths as well as you see silks. The saddlecloth number can be blocked. Um, now, but I will say this though, there is a subconscious component to it. As a racing fan, you know that the number seven is always orange. And so that does help in that process. That's why whenever they put the same colored saddlecloths on horses for a race, yeah. it's the most nerve wracking, unwieldy thing. Even though we don't use those cloths, it, it is sort of a, a mental hurdle we have to overcome. Well, the, uh, it's funny you said that. It was actually one of my questions when they do you get the same thing. I was going to say that, but you just answered it. Like when the Breeders' Cup and, and other races where they all look the same, it's even hard to watch the race when it comes to that because you're like, I don't know what my horse is because fans don't even know the, the silks unless it's somebody that they really know. You know, um, besides that, we, we have no clue. We're looking for numbers and that's it. And we're yeah. relying on you guys. It's not going to Yeah, no, it's true. The Breeders' Cup, yeah, the Breeders' Cup flipped to colored saddlecloths now. So that was a big help there. And it is funny. A, Gary Palmasano that works at Churchill Downs loves to send me a text when uh, they do some sort of benefit, whether it be breast cancer awareness or Veterans Day. He oh, goes, uh, yeah. camouflage silks for, or camouflage saddlecloths for the sixth race. Just thought I'd let you know. And I usually don't have a very pleasant text back to him, even though I just know he's giving me a hard time. Uh, so I give it back. Um, but no, yeah. you know, you're right. 100%. Yeah, good idea to do camouflage for the track announcer. Oh, great. Let's hide the numbers. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, yeah no kidding um yeah no uh, i i did notice that now a couple things there i noticed that and I, i'm going to bring up the fact that the only time i've ever been in an announcer's box was with frank for a race and do you do the thing i i see him do where he repeats the names do you like do you do that like he keeps saying the name say the name say the name very much like an actor's thing i feel um and also, when you do say the name, do you get, uh, do people tell you how the name is pronounced? That's one big question I've always had. Or is it kind of like up to you and then that name's going to stick? Um, yeah, they're, 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 well, first off, uh, when they're on the track, yeah, there's just a lot of repetition because that's how you memorize. So there is a lot of that. Um, in terms of pronunciations, if the horse has been called before and you know, you trust the prior announcer to have done his homework, then you go on what, what he said. Um, if the horse is a first time starter and you don't know how to say it, you, you jump onto Google or, you know, text a friend that, you know, speaks decent, you know, Spanish or French or something. Um, and you just try your best to get it right. The worst is when, and every once in a while, you'll hear ahead of time on how to say somebody's name, which is, which is appreciated. But every once in a while, you'll get something wrong and you always hear about it afterward. And, and like we and we all would say this, like nobody wants to say the name wrong. And so we're not doing it on purpose. And we just appreciate it when an announcer who has a unique or an owner has a unique name calls us up and lets us know. Um, like yeah. there's a horse, uh, tale of uh, Verve, V-E-R-V-E on paper, but it's actually more like a tale of Verve where the R is silent. And I was I was tipped off to that before the race. And uh, to me, that's that's most appreciated. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, because I actually 
have uh, we have a, we have micro shares in horses, and one of them is Annihilate out of Fast Anna, and hasn't run yet. And they were arguing while we went to go see the horse at the at the barn, not arguing, but having discussion how it's spelt is like Annihilate. It's not Annihilate. And they basically said they were going back and forth, and the trainer I think said, "Well, we'll leave it to the track announcer and see what the name yeah, is." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I think they're going to say annihilate because it, it sounds cooler. Um, but yeah, no. And I always wondered that after I heard that, I'm like, oh, wow, that's some pressure when you get a horse's name and you're just like, I, I don't know how to say this like really quickly. <laughs> like, um, like you guys have to be like experts in that as well. Uh, another one I have for you is, is also, um, and you might not be able to do this, so feel free to tell me you can't. Um, when you have betting interest in a horse, which I, you're allowed to gamble, aren't you? Uh, technically, I can. I don't, though. Um, I do okay. not bet recreationally on races that I call. And I, I am adamant in that you cannot deliver your best race call when you have a wagering interest on the line. Uh, okay. it's, uh, I, I just don't think it's possible. I mean, if some guys out there claim they can, more power to them. I know that I couldn't, and I don't want to even tempt it. I mean, there were times, you know, when I got started that I would, and I just decided against it at some point. I was like, this is not for me. Um, even the Derby, which would be un-American to not bet the Derby. Um, when my buddies are there, I'll give them a hundred bucks and I'll say, all right, just whatever you're betting, throw me in, but do not tell me who it is. Um, uh-huh. You know, sort of, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely... That's my policy, um, but I, I would be allowed to wager on the race if, I, if, if Churchill would, you know, if Churchill allows me to, I'd just decide not to. Okay, well, that's very, very noble, and, and I think you're absolutely right, and I told the story in the last one with Sarge, where uh, you probably remember the old Boston Celtic announcer, Johnny Most, and yep. Um, yep. you don't remember him, you've heard of him. Okay, yeah, I, I remember him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. used to announce uh, at a Greyhound park in my town, and you could tell who he bet which was the funniest thing ever. He'd be talking about a, ho- a dog that's like in seventh place the whole time. And I think you're right. I don't think I couldn't do it. I know AJ couldn't do it. He'd be announcing his horse the whole time. And I wouldn't yelling, Come look on. at any other horses. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's always a question I always wondered um, about that, which, which brings us right now, Travis, to um, our, our usual questions, unless AJ has anything about uh, the announcing for him. No, let's quickly. get into it. All right. I ask everybody these questions, Travis. I don't know if you know about them, but they're pretty simple. Um, and I'm sure you'll be able to answer them. Uh, as I say, they're simple. Everybody goes, ooh, wow. All right. Uh, but they're simple in stature. Uh, who's your favorite racehorse of all time? It would probably be Cigar, just because he, he got me more excited about the game when he was doing his thing. Yeah, and you're very age-appropriate for Cigar, so that makes a lot of sense. He was really dominant when you were young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yep. Makes sense. Um, shame that he couldn't reproduce, which is weird. Um, cigar shot blanks for everybody out there that's not following along. Um, your too favorite... many stogies. Yeah, apparently. He smoked much cigars. Um, uh, your favorite horse right now running? Uh, who would be my favorite horse right now running? Yeah, that is, 
it does stump you a little bit. Um, just somebody that, if you weren't announcing the race, that you'd stop and want to watch the race of. Sometimes that makes it easier. Yeah, well, I want to give a good answer here. I want to, I want to make it uh, somewhat, you know, fair and realistic. I mean, it would probably be. Boy, I don't, I don't know who like has really triggered a a must-watch interest in me lately. Um, usually, I have like derby horses I'm I'm most excited about. I mean, I I definitely want to see how charlatan runs this weekend i think that uh, he's very exciting he's very fast gamin the philly that bob has I mean, you know not to be like a guy that's moved by recency but the, that those two would definitely fit that bill i would have I, this would have been easy to answer two months ago when kofefi was still running but she's since retired uh, i'm a big fan of her probably mia mischief is one of them i just she's ran ran okay. I, I like mia mischief she's definitely one that would uh would would strike that uh, that thought but that that's a, that's a tricky one all right no that's that's good no that's 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 good me and mischief i we haven't heard yet we get a lot of i mean well everything's relative you know like it's the hot horse right now people a lot of people say tis the law i'm a bricks and mortars fan i i think bricks and mortar i watch red anytime and any surface even though i don't know if it can run anywhere but turf but you know that's me yeah. um uh so my third one is who's your favorite um jockey of all time of all time that's um i was a big big chris antley fan because the first the first kentucky derby that i remember vividly watching was when strike the gold one and i remember i was sitting on the floor so i was what i was uh six or seven then uh, sitting on the floor with my mom my dad was on the couch and so that they run the race and he wins and I just remember thinking to myself, man, this this jockey is going is so excited over winning this race. I thought that was way cool. And of course, he he would ride in New York, and so I got to see him ride at uh, yeah. Saratoga th- those summers. So he would definitely be on that list, um, and he would probably be considered my favorite of all time. Um, and that's that's too yeah. bad what happened yeah, to him. But yeah, tragic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. tragic. We, we actually we actually um, talk about him briefly with. Uh, uh, Gerard Melanson. We talked to him, and um, you know, obviously because of his problems, we talk about Antley and Gomez and everybody. Which is rest in peace, Chris Antley. And I, I have a thing, my, my same thing, kind of with uh, Eric Gomez for me. And I do think it makes it more like we can't watch these people. We didn't see them finish their career, really. I know. I think Gomez retired before that, but whatever. Antley, one of them retired. Oh, Gomez was Gomez was one of the best finishers on a horse this game oh. has ever seen. So aggressive. He was so aggressive down the stretch. He was yeah. Um, but we lost those people too soon. Uh, Chris Antley, that's good because yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, what about the best jockey right now riding? Um, I would say your favorite, not best. Your favorite. Yeah, I've got a random one for you just because I, I and I'm, I'm giving this one out because I think he is just a powder keg of a, of a rider ready to go to the next level. And, and he's, he's already won big races. That's Brian Hernandez who rides here in Kentucky. So when you call, we are, when you, we already heard him. Yeah, we, Somebody already gave us that one. It's not that much of a shocker. That? We got that one before. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, no. so when you call races, like you notice, you notice everything at the extremes, you notice the really good rides. And you notice the really bad rides, um, the stuff that happens in between, 
just goes unnoticed. Um, time and time again, I can't tell you how often when calling the race, I get to a point, I'm like, who is this and who is that in that spot? And it's almost always Brian. He is, he's a really good rider. Um, and I think he is just, I mean, he had Fort Larned there for a while. I think he's one more big horse away from, from truly breaking through. Um, he's also a nice guy. So that, that goes well for him too. But uh, Brian Hernandez would be, would be my sort of sleeper pick, if you will. Yeah, he rode, I forgot who it was now, but he rode somebody their first, oh, uh, Rachel Alexander, I believe. He was on like Rachel, her first four races, and then Calvin took over. So yeah, he yeah. was right there then, like big time. All right, yeah. um, uh, the fifth one is, um, well, I'm, I'm going to ask you, well, I'm going to ask you an extra one because you're a track announcer, obviously. So I'm going to ask you that one right now. Favorite track announcer of all time? It's Tom Durkin. I idolized him growing up. He was the New York caller when I was a kid. So he was pretty much most of what I heard all the time. And he's been very helpful and supportive. He spent two hours on the phone with me when he was driving home once on uh, the, a personal lesson on how to call the Kentucky Derby when I got to Churchill. Um, so I am forever indebted to, uh, to his generosity in that regard. That's good for you, too, because A.J. Ryder, if he was you, he would have said himself. And there's no doubt. So, <laughs> and you will not deny that. Uh, your favorite track. And this is curious because I know you don't. Okay, I'm going to say you yeah. can't say Churchill just so you don't get in trouble. But. Oh, that, I appreciate favorite? that. It would be Saratoga just because the, the scene yep. there is just is awesome. That's home for me. So oftentimes a day at the track is also a day at the track with family and friends. And those are the best kind. So, um, yeah, if, I'm, if I can't say Churchill, I'd pick Saratoga. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to say Saratoga. That makes sense. You're and from down the road. We have uh, the bonus question as well. Sarah's question. She, yes, she's not here to ask yes, it. Sarah's not here to ask right now, but Sarah always likes to know. I, I think I know what he's going to say, AJ. I think we've got this Kentucky thing down now. What is your oh, favorite yeah. food at any of the tracks? Favorite Kentucky track? No, favorite any food. Track. Favorite food oh, at oh, any track. That is easy. That is, that is, I mean, this is a hand ride. This is a secretary-like margin. The bread pudding at Keeneland is. Oh, we did hear about I the mean, bread pudding at Keeneland before. It is we bourbon got infused. I was going Burgo. bourbon infused. And I mean, I tell you what, if, if I ever own racehorses, winning the Derby would be at the top of the list. I think a second lifetime achievement would be um, having a piece of that bread pudding every day for the rest of my life. If, if it, you know, didn't kill me. Um, I, I can't even begin to, t I mean, that arguably the most disappointing aspect of this whole coronavirus was that the Keelan spring meat was canceled. And thus there was no bread pudding to be had. That was crushing. Wow. <laughs> so you're, you're yeah. A, a fanatic about the bread pudding. I love it. We we've gotten a lot. Sarah's favorite is the, um, carving station with the corned beef sandwich in San Anita, which we've actually had the most of, of everybody on from Gary Stevens to Sarge. Mm -hmm. But we've gotten the the bread pudding ha has been mentioned. Yeah. We've gotten the Borgo? Burgoo. 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 Yeah. The bread pudding is the bread pudding is grade one, truly. <laughs> <laughs> so you've heard it first. Uh, Travis Stone a cure for cancer or bread pudding is non-fat. He would go with bread pudding. By a secretariat-like margin. 
Yeah, it's an affordable bench. Putting like a willow <laughs> machine. <laughs> um, that is fantastic. Um, no, and that, that's usually we ask everybody these questions, and it's the bread pudding. Um, we're just going to turn into a food show because it's, I think people want to know that more. Um, as, as for you, Travis, in, the, in this spare time, what are you up to? Everybody around you, you're, you're safe? You're quarantining, I'm guessing? Is oh, yeah, I've, I've, hardly seen, uh, I've hardly seen much society for six weeks. Um, not everything's going well. I'm a homebody, as I said before, so spending time by myself is never a problem. Um, playing a lot of video games with friends online. Um, I'm a tinkerer, so I like to fool around on the computer and uh, doing some side projects in that regard and just, you know, uh, trying to see this out and keeping the, uh, the mindset that better days are ahead as the motivator. And, and hopefully we're starting to see some lights at the end of the tunnel and we get out of this soon. Are you gambling on said video games at all? I don't gamble on the video games, no. <laughs> um, I've played a couple of the uh, pick fours or pick fives on some of these weekend races. I'll probably dabble on Saturday a little bit because such a good card at Oakland, but uh, I don't. I don't. No, I don't. I don't do much gambling online. Speaking of, and if you're comfortable doing it, it's fine. A couple things is, what do you think about the Oakland? I mean, the Arkansas Derby. Um, any anything? Any handicapping angles you're going after, or have you looked at it or anything? I have. I haven't looked at it yet. It's funny. I got to do a podcast with my friend Scott Shapiro tomorrow morning, um, so I have to handicap that this evening. Um, I do know that Charleston's going to be very tough and a first pass and a first look at that race. And uh, I, Nadal's the horse to beat in the first leg, although that's a tougher spot. So, um, yeah, no concrete opinions yet. I got to do that work. Um, but it, that's that's a phenomenal card. And it'll be a nice day here, so I'll probably bust out the laptop, sit outside, and then watch some horse racing. Tell Scott, too, that he needs to take on Big Gary because Ed also took on uh, Randy's father. And Scott was another one he said that needed to challenge our, our, our handicap. Yeah. No, Ed, oh, yeah. Ed said Scott needs to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So tell Scott that Big Gary's gunning for him and he needs to come on the show. You got it. I'll let him know. Um, also, uh, the, the virtual derby. I don't know how you, much you're into that. I have my opinions on it, and we are going to send you our race call of the virtual derby before it happens, because we need to make stuff up, because we're not, not good on the fly. I need to write it. Um, but we're going to do that. What do you think about that virtual derby? I have my opinion that how can you beat Secretariat, but... I mean, if Secretariat... I mean, so I saw the morning line came out. Mike Vitaglia put him at 7-2. to two. If you could bet on Secretariat 7-2, to two, I would like walk around town with masks and gloves and just collect money to bet on them. Because that might exactly. be some of the greatest value in the, in the history of horse well, racing. First of all, every, every, everybody has masks and gloves on now, so you'll be fine. You could do that anyway. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you rob people. It doesn't matter. Okay, nobody out there rob anybody. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, but, okay, so, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And um, I think it's, it's sort of interesting. It's kind of corny. But, hey, you know what? At this point, they're yeah. betting on Madden simulations. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, yeah. And the most important question, though, of them all, Travis, is when can the Triple Crowns come up and call a race with you? <laughs> and you're, will you're, we you're get arrested than, after? You're more than welcome to come to the booth and watch a race at any time now. Whether or not uh, Churchill would allow the mic to be passed off, uh, I, I defer to them. <laughs> <laughs> 
so for your own job security, I would not allow us to. Um, <laughs> you can probably end the booth. But when we definitely come to Churchill, we will, uh, we will we'll get a hold of you and we can uh, grab some. Oh, well, we'd have to go to Keeneland for the bread yeah. pudding, correct? Uh, yes. The, the best part about racing in Kentucky is closing day at Keeneland is always the day before opening day at Churchill. So you can do the double header and get a bread pudding at Keeneland, have it that day, enjoy racing, and then buy a second one so you can put it in the fridge for the next day when Churchill opens. It's, uh, yeah, it's a good setup. You've never done that from, before, have you? I was going to say, from a man who's done this before. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I mean, I've never, no, I've never walked out of Keeneland with a bread pudding because every time I told myself I would, I ended up eating it anyway before I left. It's that good. So yeah, we don't go like down getting, that path. It's like getting a small pizza for a long car ride. Just doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Travis. I think we can wrap it up now. We took enough yeah. of your time. We really, really appreciate it. Um, AJ, anything else to add on this? No, we appreciate it, man. And, you know, if you don't, don't feel comfortable giving out the inside info of, about the Derby and, and when Churchill's going to open, you can just DM me and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. If I, when I hear, I'll let you know. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, Travis, thank you so much. And it was great. Let's keep in touch. And uh, good luck on the other podcasts. Good luck with the rest of the season. Hopefully it comes out. Uh, you guys come up soon enough. And we'll obviously be he hearing from you because we turn on horse racing. And Sounds good. I appreciate it. Enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, thank Travis. you. All right, guys. We'll see you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So thanks to Travis for coming on the show. And, and if I had to define that interview – and welcome back, Sarah. If I had to define that interview with one word, I would say it was fun. Does that sound Ooh, right? That's a good one. I like that. Let me write yeah. that down. What is that? Yeah. It's F-U-N? Fun. F-U-N. Yep. Capital, capital F, capital U. Capital I feel like you yeah. should be like, that was fun. That would be cool. I'm going to use that next time. Okay. Yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Travis. That was, a, that was, that was great. Um, thank you for coming on. And... It was interesting for everybody that doesn't know how a track announcer works. He really broke it down and it's interesting because I really don't think many people know how a track announcer works. And it turns out it's like a three-year-old or a three, a third grade art class. Yes. Yes, it is. A third grade art class, like a, like a savant in art. Like, like it's like Rain Man mixed with an art class. I figured like, yes, that I guess I after... learn all the names in 10 minutes and yeah, yeah. yeah. I figured it would be kind of like that after you told me how Frank does it with the crayons and everything. Yeah, we talked about that. He does markers. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's big box at Target. Yes. Yeah. I we just, talk about that. I mean, do they not blink the entire race? Because I feel like when I watch a race and Randy's like, oh, did you see that? I was like, I blinked and yeah, no idea. Well, if you watch the videos that we talk about, one, I mean, and especially me and him talked about it before Randy had gotten there, the on the Kentucky Derby YouTube channel, they have him calling the derby just in the in the box view and it's just him calling the derby and it's kind of interesting because he's got his you see how he's got his little clipboard with the names and he's got them all highlighted with the colors and he's yeah. got his perfectly stacked uh marker box right next to his his radio there and he's got his binoculars and then he'll he'll, he'll he you know goes up and down with it with it and as they're he told me he's six stories up when he calls this race. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. really high. Yeah, they're yeah. So he's six stories, and then the horses are running on the other side of the track, and he'll take down his binoculars and look and then go back up. And I'm like, how do you keep track 
<laughs> where everyone is in that with all and especially in a pack like that it's crazy yeah I, I can't do that when I watch a race. No. I miss most of anything well, important that happens until they cross the finish First of all, line. we're usually drunk when we're watching races, and hopefully yeah. they're sober. But you know what I always like? What is it? Dubai that does the, the camera on the rail? No, that's all the. Or, uh, or, or is that all, or that all European? Yeah, some European races. I think that. that's a great they camera do it, angle. They do it on the Derby and our big. Well, they have some of them here. Yeah. They run that angle. That scares me, though. I feel like it's, it makes me nervous. Like I'm part of the race too much. Uh, I like it. God, God forbid that happens. Oh my God! Do you ever watch a jockey cam? Anybody out there watch yeah. a jockey cam? That's crazy. And you watch just the bouncing. No, no, I'm good. Thanks. Oh, you know what I didn't ask him about too was when you see those videos and he calls after every time he calls the derby, him and the guys in the booth are high fiving, and then when the maximum security race, when they get the news that. Uh, maximum security was disqualified. Everyone just it looked like their puppy got killed. Like they had to change <laughs> no. it and he had oh, to yeah. tell everybody. Right. Yeah. And I, that was pretty cool too. They were high fiving in the box. Is that what you're saying? So I mean, after every race, when it's done and his call is over, they'll, him and the guys in the booth are right. high fiving like we did it. Yeah, that's and the then, job. Yeah. Yeah. And then after they found out maximum security got disqualified, he had to tell everybody to hold their tickets. Oh man! Well, probably level of excitement drop. As an announcer, he probably wanted to make that call. You know what I mean? As in, oh, there might be an interference call here. You want to be the first people to let people know and not be like, oh, which well, they did. They were inside the at Churchill Downs. That's they were the first person to because he has to relay that to everyone over the. No, I mean, I mean, while that happens. Oh, yeah, well. Sometimes they say it, like, oh, there's a bump there. There might be a problem, you know, and then they yeah. go on with the race. Um, you wonder if that's, like, they want that call. They want to be the first one to go, oh, this horse might get taken down before the race is even over. But, well, yeah, I mean, all the pressure on that one race, especially that one race for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's 20 horses. That's not a normal race. And he has millions of people tuning into this, too. And these to aren't any horses that he's probably – talked about before at his track. Well, not, not any, but there's probably three, four out of 20 that he's announced before. Yeah. Right. You know, so not that that probably means anything, but I'm guessing if you've announced a horse before, you kind of know the horse a little bit more. Or at least yeah, no, that would make know. sense, right. And, and, and the Derby's got to be like just, like you said, he does research for like a week before right. on one race yeah. because you don't want to fuck the Derby up. Let's face it. Like I said, fuck up the third race claiming race that yeah. Derby's like half the people yeah. are never going to listen to another horse race. Well, yeah, everyone, every race that he calls all the entire time, their whole season, and then that one race, if he fucks up, he's probably getting fired. He does that in any other race. It's, yeah, whatever. They don't even know. He up, yeah. yeah, he fucks up yeah. the Derby. That's it. Yeah, yeah, they're done. Like all the pressure's here. Like yeah. this is it. This is yeah. your time to shine once a year and he does have i mean let's face it he has the most watched it's not the biggest race in america because the breeders the classic the most is. watched race um even i think the pegasus is worth more yeah um but it's definitely the most popular ratings wise the biggest race people that don't know horse racing watch the and kentucky for those derby two yeah. minutes, everyone zoned in on his voice so if he fucks up you and i would well me especially but you guys even now would forgive him like, this, this is, this, if you've never heard a race before, you're going to be like, what the fuck? This guy do this all the time? Like, he got the wrong call. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. And that's when we talked about the mind that bird call. And if we can go to it, it's 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 amazing because Durkin's the best, and Durkin did not see this horse coming to the rail. And other than one thing, if he won barely, but he won by like six lengths, seven lengths, or whatever. So he like missed the horse totally that was running by all the other horses. And yeah. it must have been traumatizing to him. I mean, nobody cares, it's still Tom Durkin, but like I said, that's the most memorable thing that I remember in horse racing is the hindus that call. I don't think about all the great calls. I think about the bad call. It's like one bad experience yeah. you remember for 14 years, one good experience you remember for 14 days. Yeah. And that's a true thing with your brain. And to have that pressure to be like, if I screw up now, no one, you know, I mean, yeah. it's like anything. You screw, you know, as a wrestler. I was, just, I was just about to say, like, I, I remember every bad match or bad thing that's ever happened in a wrestling ring i don't remember any good ones or hardly any exactly and that and that if you screwed up a house show somewhere that you were just like three people in front of you whatever but then yeah. we get your one chance you to screw up, up on tv everybody. yeah 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 and so you obviously feel the most pressure but that is weird because they must be cool as ice of anyway those announcers must be like I wouldn't be nervous yeah. because that's I'm a, crazy. That's a crazy I'm, amount of preparation that goes into two minutes. Oh, yeah. 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 Not taking anything away from the horse and the jockey. That is a crazy amount of preparation for those two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be in the booth. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I'd much rather try to announce this race than try to. Well, yeah, just to announce a race because everybody's listening to you. So I mean, like playing a game where you can be forgotten. You can be the two guard that doesn't get the ball passed to him on that play. <laughs> right, but yeah, but at the training their jockey, if they have one bad race and they screw it up, if they screw up the derby, people aren't going to, you know, horse racing fans remember it. Regular people won't. Regular people who don't know anything about horse racing watch the derby and they hear him fuck up. That's going to be remembered on a, on a major network like that yeah. for a long time. Yeah, it'll be the yeah, it'll be the meme of Michael Jordan crying. That was all people yeah. that didn't watch Michael Jordan play. They like because all those people were like, "Yo, this guy's got heart, man." Like, like that's who he is. Other people were like, "Ha ha." <laughs> like three years after the fact, when ESPN does the highlights of the Kentucky Derby, they're not going to remember when so and so was the favorite and didn't win or, or screwed up. They're going to remember, oh yeah, remember this bad call. Like yeah. that, that gets brought up. The other well, stuff it's, it's, I think somebody said it. It might have been Maximum Security's owner. I don't know. It might have been somebody else with Maximum Security. And they're just like, we'll always be remembered and no one will remember the horse that won. Because yeah. we're the horse that got disqualified. Mm -hmm. So what's a big deal? You should people I mean, who won the Derby. Not Maximum Security. Who was I the other horse? I bet you still can't name it. I've asked this country, question. Country horse. Yeah. Country. No, what, it was country say? something. Country house. So let's just get right into it. Let's, let's get right into this virtual derby. Yeah. If anybody cares, keep listening. And <laughs> if not, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, we are going to do a call of this race before it comes out. And I think the Triple Clowns calling this race would be fantastic. Um, and obviously, it's going to be a race in our head, which most crazy things happen. So I, I, who wants to start off with what they think is going to happen there? If this was a real horse race which I feel like you guys are going to be so bad at this. What happens? I'll start only because, and I'm going to explain how I view this. And I'm probably wrong. I know. But the way I look at this is when you do these virtual simulations between grades of different eras, 
I know Secretariat, like greatest of all time, yada, yada, yada. But there's always, there's always a conversation. And is there any, any, I don't know how I want to put this, similarities to the where if you look at an athlete in a major sport from the 70s and you look at the way, you know, a human being has developed over. Competition has gotten bigger and stronger. Yeah. That, again, is kind of how I'm looking at that. Does American Pharaoh and Justified have more of an advantage of that because a lot of these other ones are coming from 30 years, um, an era 30 years ago, as opposed to now when competition, is it better? Is it faster? Is it stronger? Are the jockey, are we smarter now? Are jockeys smarter now? Are they? Drugs are better. Are, drugs are better. Justified. I mean, there's a lot of very variables that go into that, that, I mean, if we consider those, do those guys have more of a shot? That's why I said, granted, well, the, the way they're setting this up helps me a lot, but I'm picking someone. I'm picking American Pharaoh on this. Okay. All right. So you're picking American Pharaoh. And before I forget, let me stop you in that thing, because the one difference is that you're forgetting, I think, is the one thing that all these other things you talk about, because you're playing against other things. There's one thing that these guys weren't playing against and they're running around the same track. It's the clock. It's the clock. Right. So if a, mm -hmm. if a track runner runs a certain amount of time around the clock in 1920 and you run on the same track and you run it again 40 years later, is there a difference if that guy's just faster, correct? Secretariat has the track records on, on these stakes races on all three tracks and so, we're running at churchill where he's got a two second advantage over the next one in this race correct i believe well, in the next one in this race yeah which is weird because yeah. he didn't have a two second advantage of the horse that came in second that day which one of our listeners commented that the track was really fast that day and he gave him his credit because he said the other two races were phenomenal but there was a lot of really fast times that day and i wonder mm -hmm. if that goes into the algorithm because sham would have broke the track record as well Right. And Monarcos is the Monarcos tied Secretariat, but we're talking these records are still held. Secretariat has the record at the uh, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont, <laughs> which times are times. And I'm going with the tracks were worse to run on them. I'm going with they're faster nowadays. It makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if he had, what if, what if American Pharaoh, I mean, American Pharaoh, Secretary had the, you know, he didn't have the laser massages back then or like all the stuff they had, how fast would he have been? I mean, it's Babe Ruth out homering teams. You know what I mean? They can say right. what they want, but it's like Babe Ruth, it's the Babe Ruth argument. If he wasn't hitting a baseball that was like a pair of socks and still out homering teams, Teams, like that's like right. a baseball player hitting two hundred. I'm not runs. saying he's. I'm not saying he's not ahead of his time. But the clock, I think, is the great equalizer. The clock, because the clock hasn't changed. Okay. You know, you know what that's I mean. That's what I'm asking. He could get banged around a little more and pressured a little more because the horses might be a little bit bigger than they were back then. I don't know if that's. I mean, he's a big horse. And that that was my yeah. next kind of question: is is the pace different? Is is you know coming out the gate different too? Because didn't when Secretary ran, how many horses ran the race? 
Well, by but a lot of times, by the time the Belmont happens, when you're watching the Belmont and the Preakness, horses drop out. It's just like that. The right. Derby wasn't 20, I don't believe, back then. I have to look it up, but it was probably 14, 15. Um, maybe it was 12. Because he was still 1A when he won, right? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a lot of horses. But here's the thing with Secretariat also. If you watch his Derby, he goes, he goes sort of to the back, makes a move, and wins. You know, makes a move around the far turn and wins. Fairly easily beat Sham by a little bit, but it was a closer race, obviously, than the Belmont. The Preakness, he breaks last, sits back, and goes around the first turn like a rocket, which no one does. It's not even a mid-move. He did, like, an early move, which is crazy. Um, and then the Belmont, he goes out to the lead and sets incredible fractions with pace. And that's why Secretary is amazing because it's nothing to do with pace. He did them all. He right. set a pace that people were like, you can't set this pace and win. And he won by 30. <laughs> like, yeah. like, and he also came from behind. He said, no horses do that. That's what's amazing about Secretariat. They're either front runners, mid-pack, stalkers, whatever it might be. They need a hot pace up front to win. He didn't need anything to win. He was like, all right, I broke last. I'll pass you later on. All right, I broke first. I want to make an amazing Yeah, I'm going to keep going anyway. No win. So I think you throw out that with anything, and that's why I just – that's actually what people don't talk about. The most amazing thing I believe about Secretariat is didn't matter where he was, where most horses need to break near the lead, or this is what they do if you look at the Zenyatta. Zenyatta never would break to the lead, always be last. Secretariat's just like, wherever you want, I'm finishing at the finish line before you. <laughs> Which I've always said is weird because – I always think it's weird in any race where it's like, oh, you set out too much of an early pace. Your time is your time at the end of the day, correct? So if he's like, I'm going to run up, just say two minutes. I'm going to run two minutes, whatever it might be, wherever, whatever you are, horse, person. What's it matter how you run the two minutes in? <laughs> if two minutes is the fastest. Secretary is like the only thing I've ever seen be like, it didn't matter how we ran the two minutes, whatever it might be. It was whatever it was. It was, I'm still going to run two minutes. I might not break. I'm still going to run two minutes. I might go to the lead by 20 lengths. Still running two minutes. Come catch me. Um, that's what I think was amazing about him. So, yeah. I mean, real race, American Pharaoh? No. And you can look at this online if you put American Pharaoh against sec uh, Secretariat, even in the Derby. I'm pretty sure, like, American Pharaoh is making the turn when Secretariat finishes. In the Derby. I would say if Sham ran in this race right now, who ran second to Secretariat, he'd probably obviously run second again <laughs> because he was that close. Right. You know, um, but like I said, uh, it was a fast track that day. And maybe that's what the algorithm comes into as well. Where how fast were the times that day when American Pharaoh run? Maybe they were slow that day. Um, a lot of these horses won, I think Justify won in the mud. He did, I think. He won in the mud. Well, that was just recently right yeah they've all been sloppy yeah they've been sloppy for a few years well i think like yeah. out of five yeah. years or something yeah yeah uh but yeah so i don't know i would say secretariat i mean seattle slew was tough like i said that gallant fox when you read about him i read about some of these horses would be somebody else but i, I don't know how you'd be a horse that has a track the state yeah. record still i mean monaco's tied him but just the fact of what a strong horse he was and we'll go off of also the fact of 
I want to be like Secretariat, or he won his last race. Um, an interesting thing, if you ever look at um, Ed DeRose's thing, he sent it to me. Uh, he put out no. to me that Secretariat won it, because I was talking about how Secretariat won his last race on turf. His last race he ran was on turf. And I was like, I didn't know Secretariat ended his career on turf. And, and, he's, and he wrote, no, his last two races were on turf. And he had the track record for 19 years in another race, the Man of War, on turf. That was him. That that was Ed. That told us, yeah. That was Ed. Yeah. Um, or it was Ed or Chip, I guess. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I think it was Ed. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I, it just, I mean, he had a 21-pound uh, heart. Average horse is 11-pound heart. He had 21 pounds, he wins. Sorry. Yeah. Like, that's a big heart. When they say that horse has a big heart, he actually really did literally have a big heart. All right, Alex, so. you're taking American Pharaoh? Yeah, I feel I just want to be different. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of right. And NBC's airing a documentary about American Pharaoh before this is happening, so Oh, you're going yeah. with Mike. Oh, you're going with the, the, the political angle where they're gonna... I'm not saying who's the best ever. I'm saying who's gonna win the race on Saturday. Right. So the handicapping is, I guess. Huh. That's okay. your angle. Yeah. Network angle. More viewers. Well, I said that maybe it's because of the younger viewership. It's like, yeah, our horse is better than your horse. Yeah, maybe, yeah. You know? I don't know. I was going back and forth between three horses. (laughs) One was Seattle Slough. One was Citation. And the other was War Admiral. I really liked Seattle Slough. No secretariat on your Because I was trying not. (laughs) Well, because I feel like secretary was the obvious and I wasn't going to pick. I mean, maybe I we feel should like, change this to who's going to get second. Yeah, because I feel like it's a. I feel like Secretariat's going to win, and I wanted to pick something else. Citation. Did you uh, pick him because um, that's Alex's favorite horse because he has many citations? That is exactly why I picked him. Good one. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and who was the other one? Seattle Slough. I yes, liked yeah. him. And more Admiral. And more Admiral. Oh, because that's your name of your team in our draft. Yeah, and I had to pick him. Yeah, that makes sense. War Admiral, um, we know who beat War Admiral. We do. Mm-hmm. Alex knows definitely who beat War yeah. Admiral. Goddamn right. Now, what if Seabiscuit was the 14 horse? We clearly it's him. <laughs> <laughs> Does he beat Secretary? He would have. Okay. <laughs> That would have been a good one. I think John Henry, who was mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's made pretty clear by who had a Disney movie made about them first, Seabiscuit. That's true. Um, so you're a much better horse if Disney made the movie. Um, I mean, you're going to go with like a couple other ones, I think, before that that Disney did. What did Disney do? I believe. Well, the Black Stallion, I don't think was real. Um, I believe <laughs> they did. I think they did the uh, Ruffian movie. And never really went anywhere. Disney did the Ruffian movie? I know. I think that's weird, but they might have. I could be totally wrong. How did that movie Alex end? Alex is looking it up, I'm sure, right Yeah, now. exactly. Um, How did Disney end the Ruffian Well, first story? of all, they did a Seabiscuit movie way back in the day. So, and I'm pretty sure that was Disney. So you're going to win this one no matter what. Because I think they did Bob Hope was in a Seabiscuit movie. Yeah. Uh, this is just Disney movies that you guys remember about horses. There were other ones before. Farlap. No, that's was not a horse Farlap. That was a Disney movie, wasn't it? I don't think so. 
Oh, okay, well, we're going to do our research on this and see. You're the one that did the movie podcast. Yeah, but I didn't say Disney movies. Yeah. All right, who do you, who do you have for this virtual derby? Secretary. Yeah, I think that's Scott. Uh, and I told you my, 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 but I have a long shot. You guys didn't take a long shot. I have Gallant Fox, Fox. to be around. Yeah. He was really dominant for a year. He wasn't, I think he gets underrated because he was only good for like a little bit. And he won out of like 11 out of 15 races in his career. And Gallant Fox was tough because I remember 1930, a little before I was born, it was, you know, it was tough. right after the Roaring 20s, Gallant Fox was good. Seattle Sioux is good. They're all, I mean, they're all triple crown winners. Yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I wish they just did the top 13 horses of all time. That would be fun. All right. So that's our winners. Yeah, you have, you have, uh, what, you, what did you have, Secretariat? And I said Gallant Fox Gallant was my, Fox. Um, my, my long shot. I would go with SLU second, Seattle I SLU. Seattle I don't SLU. think Justify or American Pharaoh show up. No, I, I wasn't going for those. AJ has American Pharaoh. Then you'd be wrong. <laughs> and I think that... that he only gave us one. Yeah, he only gets one. Well, yeah. Okay. I did three. So, I, I picked my top three for this. I was I was going because I think Citation is second in their yeah. odds. Is he not? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going American Pharaoh, Secretariat, Citation. Yeah. So you're going straight chalk, the top mm-hmm. three. No, Seattle Slough, American Pharaohs. Yeah, he missed Seattle Slough. Yeah. So you went three out of four. Playing the odds, especially in a virtual race, not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> These aren't real. Um, oh. A lot of these jockeys are over a hundred years old. So everybody. Well, and there's one running on two horses. No, really. That's a trainer. You sure? Not no, a there's a jockey on two. World away in citation. Who was it? Who was he? Uh, Eddie Acaro. Okay. Acaro. All right. Yeah, he's riding two horses. That's going to be hard. We had that conversation before. A very hard thing to do. <laughs> Right. And I told you it was possible. You and did. what happens? You, you did actually say that somebody could actually do it. Um, <laughs> I think you said, I'm sure it's happened before. Your, your exact line was, because I, I, I edited part of the audio for this show, I don't know much, but I do know you can't ride two horses <laughs> in the same race. And literally, right then, proven wrong. Uh, there I go. Proven wrong again, that you can ride two horses <laughs> in the same race. Oh, how dumb am I? <laughs> I apparently know nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, they have a couple of same owners or trainers, I think, too. Baffert's got two of them in there. Yeah. Baffert's got two, definitely. I know there's, a, I think there's two other ones that train two the same. Um, do you think Baffert's watching this race at all? Yeah. And he's Gentle. betting on himself. I do not think that. He- that is a good question. If you can only select one horse to have the Derby experience, who is Baffert picking out of his two? Yeah. Or is he picking one of his two? Well, he's got to go with American Pharaoh because that was his first triple crown, right? Yeah. And Justify, Justify got in trouble. No one talks about that. Justify That's true. got in a little bit of trouble. So, so he would just pick American Pharaoh because he doesn't want to bring up the Justify drama. I would say. Or, does he, or does he shock the world and pick Secretariat too? Or someone else. We probably would. I'm going with he'd yeah. be like, you know, it's one of those old school guys. He'd be like, Secretary right. would kill those horses. Doesn't matter though. You know, like yeah. I love those guys, but Well, the jockey that's riding too said um Citation could have Whirlaway on his back or have him and Whirlaway on his back and still beat Whirlaway's time. Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So Okay, well that was fun. 
<laughs> I, I knew I should have known that was coming, but I wasn't expecting it for some reason. Um, all right. Well, we had a busy show today. Uh, we, 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 that was the, we had, we had uh, Travis a Stone. A lot of fun. Yeah, it was fun. That was, <laughs> was fun. A lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Travis Stone from Churchill Downs. Youngster. I can say that because he's much younger than me. He's actually, oh, he's older than both of you guys. Barely, though. Really? No. Barely. He's born yeah. in 84. Oh, okay. Yeah. 36, he said. Yeah. So uh, that, was, uh, that was interesting, to say the least, getting a track announcer on. First one we've had on of a track announcer. That, that was great. And uh, we talked about the virtual derby. And we have a busy week coming up. So if we seem lazy right now in what we're doing, it's why. Um, but more to come. So for G. Randall Johnson, I'm out of here. Don't do it. Don't do it. Triple Clowns is a production of the team at Big Umbrella. Rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Send us your questions at clowns at gmail.com and you may be featured on a future episode. Follow us on social media at ClownsTriple on Twitter and Instagram and follow me, AJ Ryder, at Troy McLean WWE on Twitter. Like and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. All right, guys, for AJ Ryder, I'm out of here. See you later, everybody.